Picadillo? Yeah, you always say that word. Uh, pick a, I, I don't think I do, but Picadillo means you, like... You um, do say Picadillo. Do I? Uh, it basically means like um, like a idiosyncratic, like, uh, I don't know, um, something you do or something that annoys you, like a specific thing. Minor offense or sin. Oh, don't always remember to say please and thank you and don't put their dirty dishes in the hamper unless you want me and you mean the Latin American hash or stew. <laughs> well, hmm. The movie stars Picadillo's made tabloid headlines. I did try. must be stopped, no matter the cost. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast, your bi-weekly podcast delivering an episode-by-episode breakdown of the G1 animated series, The Transformers. This is episode 191, Madman's Paradise, which aired October 13th, 1986. Hey, here's a fun story. The year was 1984, and I was in a band with my friend Kid. I was going by Carla at the time, and I played the drums. Caleb whose stage name was Ash, was our lovable, clumsy keyboardist who also played bass and saxophone. The final member of the group was Wiz on guitar, and he would pick us up for the practice in his awesome Subaru Brat. One day we were rehearsing in our storage unit when... A crazy animated mob boss-looking guy named Master Blaster appeared and transported us into an animated world called The Flip Side, where we were to become his musical slaves for all eternity. Thankfully, a fairy named Glitter, who became super strong when she sneezed, showed up and broke us free. We spent over a year helping out the citizens of the flip side while evading Master Blaster and trying to find a way home. It really got us going. It really got us moving on. Ay ay ay. It's uh, you know, you know what that P- is? P- Peter Pan. No, it is um, an animated series that no one else seems to remember. Uh, kid video, Saturday morning kids show that aired from '84 to '85 that I loved, and what? uh. Well, you watched it. I did. And you loved it. I did. And that's all that matters. It does have a little crossover. By the way, that's Caleb. Hi, I'm Caleb. Uh, Aaron is not with us today, so this is... Uh, As you already know from... From the last episode. Yes. So this is... Yeah. It's just Still Caleb gone. and myself today. Yeah. Um, Having good times. We don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> this does... Uh, Kid Video does have a little crossover. Toolbot, Wiz's pet, was voiced by Hal Rail. Um, who did Pipes, Shrapnel, and Snarl. And Master Blaster was Peter Renaday, who did Grapple, Lord Chumley, and Splinter on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then Michael Bell also did some additional voices. Cool. Are, are you scared about this? Um, no. No. I'm not worried. This is I, our, I'm not worried. This is our first time. It's just me and you. I know. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I'll say this. Being in charge is not my favorite thing. Yeah. I'm right here, though, buddy. I've got your back. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, we. I don't like doing this uh, without Aaron any more than any of you guys do. Um, <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. We record two of these at once, so he hasn't been gone as long as it feels to you. Um, so there you go. And and I hosted the last one, which we haven't recorded yet, but I it it went awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I. So yeah. Recording out of order, folks. 
it's it's difficult to write down ex- what's going on in the episode, <laughs> and then also insert all my sarcastic bon mots. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's new with you, Caleb? Well, I did some Christmas shopping yesterday. Oh shit! I didn't plan on doing that, but I did. Uh, I'm I uh, and uh, Andy's got some family coming to town, and we're gonna do an elf or a Christmas themed murder mystery game in the uh, in the house. Sweet, I'm gonna dress up and everything. I've never done anything like it. I'm excited about that. I've done one murder mystery game, uh, and that was with Aaron. His, I guess you weren't there. No, I wasn't. And my ex-wife, uh, yeah, that was a long. Did you time like ago. it? It was okay. Yeah, it was fun. I was the scientist. That's I don't. Cool. That's all I remember about it. Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. But uh, anyway, we we got some stuff for that, and then some other stuff, and yeah, things are pretty good. Pretty pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's cold here now. It it is. It's it's normal. Yeah, it was seventy degrees three days ago, and now it's twenty. Yeah, it's it feels all right. That's I'm, fun. I'm okay. It's it's just I don't like the time. It's dark now. But it's yeah, it's fine. But it's light in the morning. It's like whatever it is. I talk about that over every single year. So <laughs> well, we have fine. to talk about the weather because we're um, in our, our mid forties. Yes, yes. I was sit- I went to a, a friend's house to play uh, poker the other night, and we used to you know p- party a lot. And our one of the I remember one of the topics of conversation was uh, how it brings our, his plants in when it gets cold and then yep. the other guy is uh the vp of his hoa now and uh, that's kind of <laughs> i just i saw a funny thing on twitter that i can't remember even what the picture was but uh somebody was like it was one of those where it's like uh if you know what this is um how does your back feel right <laughs> yeah not good nope it, I, my back is in varying degrees of constant pain really t- yeah I'm sorry. I mine is not, but I uh, I take an active approach to uh to taking care of myself. If it gets well, I do not. <laughs> I don't exercise at all. Uh if it gets bad, I there is a stretch I do that helps a lot, but um otherwise I just kind of ignore it. And it's in a weird place. It's between my shoulder blades. Yeah, that's I would adv- I, w- I would give you advice, but you're not going to heat it. Probably not. I, I like I like West gives me shit all the time about not moving my body and yeah. it's like, man, <laughs> I work out my elbow. Yeah, and your fists. <laughs> no, you don't. You hump the floor. I don't do it that way anymore. Oh, okay. It's I have no carpet in the house. Oh, that's true. Well, anyway, something to think about getting you for Christmas then. Carpet? Like a carpet square? Here's a carpet. Your, here's your fuck carpet. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> for um, your back. Hey, here's something I learned the other day. What? Jody Arias is selling her artwork online. Who's that? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> She's a woman who murdered her on-and-off boyfriend, Travis Alexander, in 2008. She stabbed him and shot him to death. Okay. Uh, She's currently serving life in prison. Um, Generally, since John Wayne Gacy, I don't think prisoners can profit from their crimes, which I technically I don't know if this applies. Uh, She's like a Casey Anthony type in that she's a very attractive murderer, except Casey Anthony was way smarter and got away with it. I have a feeling the way that this... Now that you're in charge t- today, mm-hmm. I have a certain feeling out the direction that this episode is going to take. Nope, don't worry about it at all. Mm. Uh, West actually found this website. Um, tell I'm me, not gonna... tell me more about her artwork. I it's have an actually art good. Yeah, she's pretty good. Um, is it awful that I kind of want her? Pa- I, nope. If you think I don't want a John Wayne Gacy painting, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking you mentioned Christmas. How funny it would be if I gave everyone Jody Arias artwork for Christmas. I would, I would, I'm, I'm in, I'm down with that. Like I, when, um, 
I found out that uh, is her name Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, she, that is the name of a person. She she was watching the sketch artist sketch her, and she sketched the that. sketch artist back. And I want either or both of those pieces of artwork, and I want to hang them together. Wow, that would be that's be rad. That is pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm down with it. I, cool. I'll take murder artwork. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's twisted. Um, that's all the news I have. All right, should we do a drink? Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you asked for one. Let's light this <laughs> candle. <laughs> uh, you don't have to ask me. It's kind of a given. We can ha- uh, I did get that uh bo- that bottle of Malort yes. uh, recently, and we'll, we'll taste that on. We'll have do you that had any yet. I tried it. Um, I'll save my review for an episode because I want to do the episode. Okay. We'll probably have it next time Aaron's on. I, I will say I did have some side banter with Ryan about it and without really spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. Ryan and I have sophisticated tastes, mm-hmm. and we we could probably like it more than a lot of people. I will say this. it wasn't. I'll just say it wasn't as bad as right. I was expecting, and I think I can make a cocktail out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll drink that cocktail. Um, I've got a funny story. Okay. So... We have, the boys have Amazon, Harrison has an Alexa, and Kenny has an, uh, an Echo. And so they, can, they know how to say, Alexa, make an announcement, and it will broadcast it to all of the, the connected Amazon devices. So they'll, they'll talk to each other and stuff. And, but they, you know, they don't do anything constructive. They just like, last night, Kenny made it, Harrison was spending the night at his friend's house, so Kenny made an announcement, and he was just like, penis, balls, and then made like a fart sound. You can tell Alexa to make, like, make five fart sounds, and Alexa will go like, so Kenny was doing that, and then Harrison replied back, what the heck are you doing? Uh, Fart, fart, you know, it was like fart sounds, penis, balls. And uh, Andy's aunt texted us and said, my t- this was like at 10 o'clock last night uh the tv is saying penis balls and making fart sounds and i forgot to- we gave her a- uh, our old television like a month ago or two and it's uh, it's got amazon uh, not, uh, yeah it's got the amazon it's an amazon fire compatible it's still paired with all of our amazon devices so she's you know it's late at night and all of a sudden the tv's penis balls and then making these fart loud fart sounds in the middle of the night I love it. I didn't know that's. I mean, that's what a ridiculous feature. It was really funny, and it will display the words on your TV too. Like instead of just the audio, there's it will do um, talk to. It's like almost like a talk to text as well. So, whatever she was watching stopped. It said penis balls on her screen, and then followed by a succession of uh, AI generated fart sounds. It's good stuff. Technology's cool. So Ryan, yeah. What'd you make us? <laughs> this is a Jungle Bird cocktail. It's a tiki drink. Mm. And uh, yeah, it That's is cool. um, one and a half ounces or 45 mils of blackstrap rum. Okay. Three quarter ounce or 25 mils of Campari. One and a half ounces of pineapple juice. A half ounce or 50 mils of lime juice. A half ounce of Demerara syrup, which if you don't have Demerara sugar... Um, just an equal mix of white and brown sugar will work to make a syrup that's a stand-in for this. Um, and there's so little in it, you probably won't be able to tell the difference if you just use regular simple syrup. Shake all ingredients with ice and strain into a rocks glass over a large ice cube. I chose a different glass because I bought these and I haven't had a chance to use them yet. 
Um, you'll see. You guys will see in the picture that nobody cares about. Oh, I, I yes. I mean, I, I don't know why I put them on Twitter because it's like two people will see it, and I'm like, I don't. I even, think a lot of people will see. I don't know. I'm not going to argue. Nah, it. it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like it, it's fine. Um, and then garnish with a pineapple wedge and a cherry. All right. Cheers. I don't think I've tried this yet. Mm. You can definitely taste the Campari. But it's it's de- the bitter component. I definitely like it. Mm. It's a pretty light um, yeah. drink for a tiki drink. Usually, oh, yeah. they have a lot of booze in them. Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's refreshing. <laughs> Great. All right. So, uh, with that cocktail, if you would like to buy us a drink, we have a several of them coming up, like I said in last episode. Um, you can do that by going to uh, PayPal and send us $5 at Decast and buy us a drink and tell me what you want to make and what your name is and what you want me to shout out, and I will make it on an, uh, an upcoming episode. We have a bunch of them stacked, like I said. It's just I don't want to do any with Aaron, without Aaron here. Um and there's one I've been waiting to put on the show for months, and it just keeps getting shuffled around. There it is. So, there it was. speaking of shout-outs, thank you to all of our patrons, Alpha Magnus, Creations, Debbie, Skeeter, Jeff, Mike Seibert, Jeremy Bono, Michael Trimblett, Justin, Jonathan, Robinus Prime, Daniel V, Safubi Samurai, Chandler, Jay Soups, Maddie V, Nick Warren, Big Ken Bachelman, Moondog, Greg Murray, Captain Alexis, Corey, Michael Andrews, James and Julia, the Emperor of the Empire of Rust, Mr. Michael Ordway, Tim, Jason, Thomas, Justin, John, Simon, Alex, Squid King, Daniel Collins, and Seven the Chronicler. Booty boxes are on the horizon. And we did just start an APDC Discord server, which is currently a Patreon-only invite, which people seem to like. That's patreon.com slash apoddecast, I think. Because we've got two Daniels now. Yeah. So I got Daniel and I got new Daniel. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that Discord. Uh, eh, b- 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 people seem to like it. I'm AP, APDC on there. Caleb, you're on there. Yeah. These fingers. And Aaron's handles Apod Aaron. It seems better to have the three of us have separate access to avoid confusion, like yeah. we have on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I announced it the pre- previous episode, and there's a lot of people talk on it. I think people talk mm-hmm. on it just about every day. Um, I throw some stuff. I've been throwing certain stuff. Like I saw the pictures of your dad in the Navy. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, he was a tin can sailor, which means he was on a small ship. He worked below to make the ship go. I. Uh, um, that's about it. I feel like if I were around, or if I were to join, I guess I would. I just always think in terms of World War Two. Yeah, I probably would have gone Navy. You'd look um, good in a Navy outfit. And I'm small, uniform. so I could be a submariner. Yeah, you look good in a Navy uniform. He looks. Goddamn sexy. <laughs> they allow beer, and they allow beer. I mean, I don't. Know if they still do, but traditionally, they allow beards and mustaches in the in the navy. Yeah, they. Um, I whenever we were in uh, Chicago for TFCon, West and I went to um, the Museum of Science and Industry and uh, saw. I think it was U five hundred three that uh-huh. they have there. It was uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. Who's our um, Who's our uh, Chandler? Yeah, it's, I always get his. I'm I'm really bad with real names versus profile names, but yeah. He's yep. Navy. Yep. Thank yep. you for your service. I sent him pictures of the whenever we were there. Yeah. Cool stuff. There's some pretty Go cool Navy. propaganda posters as well. I bet. I'll post a bunch of pictures of those. 
Um, boop, 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 boop. So yeah, um, I guess that is all of the shout outs. Uh, so let's do the last episode recap. Yes. Octane and Trypticon drank an ungodly amount of oil-fueled Energon from the unfortunately named fictional country of Carbamia, and they started stealing monuments like Carmen Sandiego. (laughs) Squash is on sale. (laughs) Now, join us for Season 3, Episode 78, Madman's Paradise. Uh, Don't worry, everyone. Daniel's in this one. This is written by Craig Rand and animated by... Uh, God damn it. Okay, so we've been told how to pronounce this studio name because we've been mispronouncing it the whole time, and I can't specifically remember how he said to say it. Uh, I think it is Toei. Toei. Like, is it? I just, I try to remember to say it like I'm Canadian. Toei. Toei. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to, yeah, I think it's Toei because we've been saying Toei. Toei, yeah. Toei. And Toei. I looked, I looked it up. Uh, and then, yeah, so I looked it up how to pronounce it, and um, I found a video finally. But like the beginning, like whenever I just looked up the Google search, it tells you like how to say it. But the phonetic, like, li- like way they put it out, I'm like, I still don't understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to use those, you you actually have to understand the symbols, which I'm sure a little googling would also then further help you understand how to use the notation to work the consonant and vowel sounds. But yeah, who has time for that? Um, just to set the tone of what this episode is like, when you go to the TF Wiki page, the first thing you see is an image of Grimlock in dino mode wearing an apron. I love this. I, I liked, I like bonkers episodes. Makes, it makes me, inspires me to say a lot of stuff. So, yeah, uh, we, there's that. We never, and I like to see you, I also like to see you a bit annoyed. Yeah, it's, it's more difficult whenever I'm not, whenever I'm the one driving the episode to get yeah. really worked up. I understand. But um, we'll see what I can do. I'll try. I'll try to help you. Thanks. You're just poking me. <laughs> um, all right. We open up on Cybertron uh, inside a diplomatic ceremony with Rodimus introducing Inara from the planet Odessic mm-hmm. to Spike, Carly, and Daniel. And Inara compliments Daniel by saying a fetching, what a fetching post-embryonic form he is. Yeah, that's weird. It, uh, it's alien. Yeah. Uh, the name Inara sounded familiar to me, and it's because she's one of the character names from the show Firefly. Oh wow! You that that ring a bell to you? Yeah, I liked that show. That's cool. But uh, it's a, just an unusual name. Yeah. And Inara is also the goddess of wild animals in the ancient Hittite mythology. Uh, she's basically the uh, Artemis from Greek mythology analog. You think the writers were probably pulling from that kind of stuff? I have that note. I could not find, like, this writer, I think this is the only episode he did, and I can't find really hardly anything on him, so I don't know if it's uh, um, hmm. if it's coincidence. I think yeah. I have this note later, and I'll call it out when I get there, but, like, because uh, there's some imagery in here that also ties in with, like, the, specifically Inara mythology. I don't know. You want to hear something funny? I do. I've just realized that I, I watched the wrong episode. I've not seen this one. Okay. <laughs> what did you watch? Uh, oh, God. Uh, I don't have, well, I don't have the notes in front of me for that, but I watched Thief in the Night, of course. That's uh-huh. the one that, Good. that we did last week that we have yet to record. And then... Um, did you watch Daniel's Surprise Party? Yes. Nice. <laughs> I did Daniel's surprise party. I swear it was Daniel's surprise party that we were doing. Nope. I said specifically we're not doing that one. <laughs> because uh, Toby wants to do that one. Yeah, well, so 
Uh, I, I even so said here like four times what episodes sure. we're doing. Nope, I'm not making excuses. I fucked up. But but here we are, just you and me, and I haven't Jesus seen the Christ. episode yet. This is going to be our lowest rated episode No, it's ever. not. This is going to be great. It's going to be classic. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well... Here we go. Um, hunker I down, sh- I everybody. Said, you know what? I shouldn't have said anything and just seen Buckle how if I up, could really Buttercup. see if I could have just like. I didn't watch this one. But now I do. Uh, mm. So I hope that it, I hope you know how you have a hard time getting annoyed. You were saying yeah, in your. That, did I it. help? Did I help with that? So okay. Daniel asked to be. <laughs> I kind of want to cosplay in Spike's future tuxedo here. Actually, I like how he's tugging at his collar. Daniel's like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, Daniel has to be excused and storms off in a huff, which is pretty understandable because he has nobody to play with. Carly looks great. Yeah, this is a, this is a, the first really Carly like centric episode. <laughs> and then he Daniel walks by Grimlock, who's I guess a waiter. He has a tray of drinks and he's in an apron and a bow tie and a bow tie. He looks great. It's really um, funny. So Daniel has nobody to play with. Uh, Waiter Grimlock walks by and (laughs) follows Daniel saying, me Grimlock play. And um, he says he doesn't dig this place either. And Daniel kicks a stray cog, which activates some kind of hidden door in the floor, which leads down to a secret tunnel. And then uh, Grimlock's clumsy ass accidentally knocks Daniel in and they both fall in there. Doesn't Grimlock have a job to do? He's already just like... I guess he's like, fuck it. Uh, He's part of the great resignation. Yeah, there you go. Why would you have Grimlock be a waiter? Um, yeah, it seems like a bad choice. Who would be the Who would be the better waiter? I probably Perceptor would be mm, a good I'm waiter. I'm sure he's busy. Maybe Grimlock just wasn't busy. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But uh, oh, so yeah, he knocks Skylinks. Daniel down. Skylinks, Skylinks ain't doing oh. that shit. And thankfully, the apron gets ripped off, which will come in hand. Like it'll be shown later. They slide down this thing. And they and Daniel ramps off of a thing, a slide and grabs onto a balcony, I guess. And then Grimlock comes by, transforms, and grabs onto the same thing. I guess forgetting that he can fly. <laughs> you know, there's something like when you see Grimlock in his robot form, he's more heroic. But when you yeah. see him in his, he uh, looks like a doofus. <laughs> when he's in his, tra- yeah, when he's when he says a T Rex, he does look like a doofus. He's much more playful. So it's interesting when. It, the difference, like of all the the Transformers, in my opinion, the difference of Grimlock between his robot form and his and his dinosaur form, they it seems different. They use that in a way that's different than a lot of other Transformers. Like if they want the Transformer to be playful for Grimlock, he's going to be the T Rex. If they want him to be kind of like more of a heroic or a role model in a like you know protector mm-hmm. sense, they have him. As a uh, as transformed, you rarely see Grimlock transformed. Yeah, he's usually in Dinobot form because that's um, the more playful and a, way. just probably more popular as a toy. Absolutely, um, uh, I will say maybe. And in rewatching these, like I always loved the Dinobots, but they're not great in the show. And uh, maybe I, my love for them comes from the fact I read all the U.S. comics, and yeah. in the comics, they're very different. Sure, like um, Grimlock's much more of a kind of a hard ass. And yeah. kind of an asshole, and um, he's the only Dinobot who talks like that. He does talk like he does in the show in the comics, but the rest of the Dinobots talk normal. That's interesting. I wonder what's up with that. I don't know, but he's also not an idiot. Like he's just reactionary, and his whole thing. Like he leads the the Autobots for a while. Right. He's barbaric. He, would you think of him as barbaric? He is very. Yeah. He literally said. I think in one in one issue says might makes right. 
Yeah. So, and anyway. he wears a crown. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, just an observation. It's interesting where he's one of those rare Transformers and the other Dinobots to a lesser degree where the alt mode mm-hmm. is almost like not an alt mode. Like it's their normal mode? And yeah. You, it's true. You rarely also see the, any of the other Dino. Mm, uh, more in season two, but yeah. or season one and two, but in season three, they're almost always in Dino yeah. form. And they they talk, in, yeah. And in the in the movie as well. Yeah. Huh. I prefer, I mean, I don't know if I prefer, I just, I like their robot form, but. I, yeah. But I would like it better if they were robots most of the time and then transformed for battle into the, the, but I guess it's just, they maybe, maybe they feel more comfortable in, in dino form. The robot, the, well, they seem to work better in their storylines. They're more playful. Well, Fucking s- going from a, a, a wait, a, a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. you didn't have, because Grimlock didn't walk up in in robot form as a waiter. They put him in waiter in this dinosaur form. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's like, pretty significant. Of all the things that would be make it much harder to be a waiter with those tiny arms. Yeah, but the, yeah. So there's something to be said about the decision to make him a waiter in dinosaur mode. It's comical. It's playful. Why but, did the? I I guess. Uh, I mean, you could have done it a different way because, like, we'll we'll see in a minute that the torn apron is a clue as to where they oh, went. I'm excited to see that because I yep. have no idea what's going to happen next. But like, why not? Why have him a waiter at all? Why not just have Daniel pass by Grimlock and then they get together? I don't know. Well, let's find out. I'll yep. find out. So <laughs> you're learning along with the audience, except they can hear the episode. Uh, <laughs> and I, I did have this note because I felt like you would have liked this episode, Caleb, because you're a big fan of Cybertronian catacombs. I am. I'm huge. I'm actually, this is actually, I'm, uh, the listeners are hearing my excitement firsthand. <laughs> can you hear the palpable excitement? Yeah. What's going to happen next? I don't know. Uh, the duo walk deeper into this uh, chamber, passing uh, what's pretty clearly imitations Hier- of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. Yeah. yeah, what's up with that? And I genuinely cannot tell. This is where I had the note. Wow, cannot- this looked really like hieroglyphs. Yeah, it is pretty obvious. Uh, I could not tell if the- and then Grimlock blows the dust away, which is weird. <laughs> Like he's a leaf blower. <laughs> um, and I, this is where I was like, I genuinely cannot tell if it was on purpose because the script isn't available and there's very little on the writer, but it seems awfully coincidental that the name Inara is used and then the story soon becomes about mythology to the yeah. point where this Hittite guard, goddess's uh, Inara's origin story involves a dragon, which will come up in a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, it, also, this episode really feels like... Um, the writer just had this in the vault and just fiddled with it enough to make it a Transformers episode because nothing about it really is Transformers-centric. Uh, it could be an episode of like Dungeons & Dragons or like even G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, even the title Madman's Paradise does not make a lot of sense or describe the episode. Yeah, I've yet to see where that fits. It doesn't really. Really? And right. it's just a generic title that doesn't really... There's no madman. I mean, there's a wizard. Is there a paradise? I wouldn't call it that. It's pretty grim. All right. <laughs> we'll get there. All right. Uh, so Grimlock, um, they, they're they looking at these hieroglyphics, and then Grimlock acts... There's a, there's a, an image of a dragon with what appears to be ancient humans underneath it. Yeah. And then uh, Grimlock's like, it looks like me. And then he taps it, and it activates this um, fucking... 
portal? Yeah, it's it, it, like Jello quicksand transportation mechanism. Sure, sure. Which drops Daniel and Grimlock into a mysterious, dark, medieval-looking land we will come to be known as Mononia. There you go. Yep. It's pretty, like I said, it's pretty sp- desolate. Cool. It's just like, um, yeah, like a medieval style. This is why I said it, this is, could be a Dungeons and Dragons episode. And then there's this little bat guy who, oh, I'll capture his, um, oh, that's the, that's right. Grimlock says that maybe they're in California. And Daniel what? says. <laughs> he says California? Yeah. And Daniel says, not even California is this weird. Which I feel like is just a terrible hacky joke the writer put in yeah, about that's, L.A. That's a wink, and no, a wink and a nod. So this crazy-ass bat lizard creature with the, the most annoying... For the record, though, L.A. is fucking weird. It's right? pretty weird. Yeah. And, uh, Stay yeah. weird, L.A. Stay weird. Yeah. Right. It's very strange, especially if, like, there's... A, and, well, we, we can just mention yeah. Richard Ramirez who uh, at the <laughs> Hotel course. Cecil. Also that Lisa Lamb yeah. woman who yeah. died there. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty haunted hotel, supposedly, but uh, like that's it's in Skid Row and it's weird. I guess Aaron's been near there, um, and uh, it's weird because like you go from this really nice neighborhood and then all of a sudden it's like a you flip the switch and you're in Skid Row. Sure, sure. This it- crazy bat creature is the most annoying thing ever and flies past them and goes to report to the castle about these new invaders. Uh, the master in the castle is a dude in a red cloak like Mumra, and I'm going to capture the sound of this thing so you can hear it, Caleb. Excellent. It's fucking awful. I'm already into this episode. This is awesome. <laughs> Sounds like Ryan's trying to get his van started. Yeah, that's Ryan's van. Do you want to do a capture of this sound without me talking on it? doesn't matter. It's, it does it for so long. So, you found something, have you? <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> wow, this is really take. This is. I've never seen a Transformers episode like. That's this. what I'm saying. Is like it very. I'm almost a hundred percent that this is just something they tooled around, with, like a retooled to make a Transformers fill-in episode. Because again, it's the only episode this writer did, and it just doesn't feel anything like a Transformers episode. Yeah, you you don't have to have. You could put any character. You could, yeah. This, you could put GI Joe into this. You could put all kinds. You, yeah. All right. I'm on board with your opinion of this, Ryan. Continue. Grimlock and Daniel. Show me more. Venture through the forest and are quickly accosted by these strange tree centaurs, which are wielding scythes, spears, and electric boomerangs. Uh huh. And these guys fight for the golden one, who is apparently the enemy of the red cloaked fellow in the castle. They attack Grimlock, and we transition back to the gathering on Cybertron, which I'll let this catch up to do that. Might as well listen to it. They didn't have Grimlock in his... Whoa! What the fuck was that? What the fuck is going on? Whom do you fight for? Who are you? We fight for the Golden One. Oh, us not fight for anyone. All right. Fuck's going on? Okay, didn't see that. I did not see that coming. We go back to Cybertron. Um, is Grimlock going to be okay? <laughs> yes, don't worry. I know. I can see you're upset. Okay. The, the, the eels don't get her at this point. Okay. Um, we transition back to Cybertron where Carly is looking for Daniel. And I feel like they should really lowjack this fucking kid because he is always getting lost. Like I, one of those tracking things you can put on your dog's I think collar. they've demonstrated that they don't care about his well-being very much. It's true. 
Uh, I mean, Carly cares, and it's like uh, <laughs> she gets a biological imperative for her to care. Yes. And yeah. R informs Carly that she saw Daniel leave with Grimlock, which causes a panic for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carly, Ultramatius, and Blaster go in search of the duo with the help of Blaster's tapes, Rewind, Ramhorn, and Steeljaw as tracker. She does look great, though. Yeah. Uh, I believe. Arlene Bennis does another does a Carly does Carly and also another voice in this episode. I'll, I have my notes later. So Daniel's fighting these weird tree tree centaurs. Centaurs. That basically looks like a weird cyclops uh, growing into a wild boar. Yeah, but not like a centaur where it's just like the centaur. That's true. It's like basically a person that is fused also into to the, the spine of a boar. Yeah, because yeah, it also has a head. So they're not really centaurs. <laughs> yeah, it's just an animal with a person growing out of it. Yeah, <laughs> who is also a tree. Yes, there you go. This is a weird thing. So Ramhorn doesn't speak in this episode. He just makes animal grunts, and Steeljaw also just makes animal grunts, but it's weird because Ramhorn spoke just fine in Forever is a Long Time Coming, and I also read that he never speaks again in the series. Hmm. I think after seeing shit like this, I wouldn't talk much either. Back in Lenonia, Daniel is grabbed by a tree centaur, and Grimlock has his legs frozen in ice by the sword of another and falls over as we go to commercial. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just falls over. Watching Grimlock falls is I don't really know why freezing your leg would make you fall over. He doesn't even try to walk. Yeah. Um, this is really be- bizarro, man. Season three rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's a word for it. Well, you'll be prepared for when we review Daniel's surprise party. I am ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Back from commercial... Grimlock is struggling, and the tree centaurs tie him up and take him and Daniel away to the stockade as the crimson hooded castle dude watches through his mirror on the wall, and he's intrigued as the dragon that is Grimlock was winning until the tree guys used their crude magic. The cloak guy, who has a tentacle. Oh, shit. Yep. uh, Cloak guy says he could use that kind of power. And I guess... Grimlock is susceptible to magic in the same way that magic is one of Superman's only weaknesses. I don't know why freezing his leg is a problem, but (laughs) the Red Wizard, which is a super creative name, uh, uses his own magic to free Daniel and Grimlock and requests their presence at the castle. And I will say at this point, I was getting pretty bored with this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This, when I see stuff like this, it's still it's still really interesting how. The 80s uh, were, you know, the 70s and 80s had that big, huge appeal of the fantasy, like space fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. I will say, any of, if any of your listeners have never seen the movie Kroll, I recommend watching it. Yeah, Kroll's good. I don't know, maybe it, um, it seems like something that's not really done much anymore, but right. like for the, like up until the 80s, for the 20th century, that was a, I mean, Flash Gordon. That was kind of the same kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. It, it all they're all it's all kind of connected, but they really leaned in, in the seventies. It seems that like they really leaned into, and I think probably Lord of the Rings had a, a hand in that, and also just would you call Dune the same kind of thing, or is it just science fiction? Dune could be loosely associated with that kind of of fantasy science fiction, but it it's a little bit less 
It, it's got some midi. All of this stuff has some medieval elements to it. The yeah, stuff that I'm talking that's about. That's true. Dune does have some medieval elements to it. The families are structured uh, like at House Harkonnen, House Atreides. So I guess I would say, yeah. Um, but um, um, so, yeah, I, yes. But it, it is interesting how that kind of thing kind of died out. But, it, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, it was really, I shouldn't say died mm-hmm. out. It's just met, it's just morphed into other things. I mean, you don't see a lot of media or like movies, I guess, and TV shows that way anymore. Or, right? Which yeah. you, you did see a lot of that in the or if 70s. Or it's, if you do, it's, it's, it's referenced nostalgically. Yeah. I have the whole, I always really liked uh, the Dungeons and Dragons animated series. Yeah. Um, Vinger, voiced by Peter Cullen. Uh, I have the whole thing on DVD, and I watch it. Uh, it's it's very, they're very digestible. <laughs> I would say probably this script, if you're right, this script was probably written within that whole, like, I need to write a Dungeons and Dragons It feels like it, script, yeah. And then I can. I would honestly say, like you this. said, also, yeah, it would even make more sense for a G.I. Joe episode than it does for Transformers. Yeah. Even then, it would still be like, what? Yeah. Um, okay, the Red Wizard. We go back. They take He takes Daniel and Grimlock back to the castle Weird for dinner. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the Red Wizard, who apparently is pretending that he's not the Red Wizard, is talking about himself in the third person where we see some flashbacks. Uh, ahead, and um, he explains his origin story, where he came from. Uh, oh, well, well... <laughs> This guy, who we will learn is the Red Wizard, and it's pretty obviously the Red Wizard, is talking about the Red Wizard as if it's a different person, and this <laughs> other person came through the same transportation device as them and learned his craft from the then ruler of Mononia, the Golden One. And the Golden One, which is a fucking shock, is all gold. Red Wizard and Golden One. That's writing, baby. <laughs> Here we go. Flashback. In the story, um, the Golden One mysteriously disappears, and the Red Wizard is forced to take over responsibility. But this guy's an unreliable narrator, because we will see in the flashback that the Red Wizard blasted the Golden One with his tentacle magic. Uh, oh, the uh. Red Wizard, yeah, has tentacles. We mentioned that. And uh, trapped, the gold, trapped the old Goldie inside a cave. That's kind of, a, that's kind of cool, though, that you have them describing it to their dinner party mm-hmm. the flashback is showing me what really happened yeah it is that's, pretty neat that's a pretty cool um approach that's true i liked it too i guess i was just annoyed with this episode oh i get it yeah it's just it's like we're we're not really talking about transformers so much right now we're done. <laughs> but it's anyway whatever i whatever let's uh, i'm enjoying this <laughs> <laughs> this is fun the red wizard what oh <laughs> What did I write? I wrote the Red Wizard pants constantly on fire. <laughs> Says that there were years of peace and prosperity, but some were jealous. And as we watch slaves and an uprising where humans uh, are pitted against these weird olive colored generic looking transformers and these yeah, monster things, weird yeah. crab creature things. That's yeah, weird. The um the uh, transformer looking guys look like they're made out of wood. Yeah, and the, the these other people that are fighting like are like look like just barbarians. Yeah, in like loincloths. Yeah, you're right. It's not a great place. <laughs> no, it looks pretty shitty. Um, the Red Wizard tricks Grimlock into promising to help him against his evil enemies to preserve the kingdom and protect the innocent. And uh, Daniel mm. fell asleep at the table. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, wooden transformers. 
Do I will ever, say do they ever address that? Kind of. I will say honestly in thinking about it now, this episode is pretty creative in the way they mm, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if I spoil it, but they tie in the Quintessons in a little bit. Okay. Um that's pretty creative, honestly, but I, I can't wait don't I can't wait to find out. So back on Cybertron, Magnus Blaster and the tapes are on Daniel and Grimlock's trail and find the secret tunnel. Meanwhile, the wood-looking robot guys on Lenonia put sleeping Daniel on a straw bed inside a jail cell. Wee! So the <laughs> they go down the slide. Dino, the, the, they found the entrance to the place, mm-hmm. and they're checking it out. There he is. <clears throat> but he's sleeping real heavy. Yeah, he's like a toddler. And he wakes up and is like, what happened? <laughs> the Red Wizard and Grimlock are up on top of the castle looking at shadowy figures on the horizon. The Red Wizard, not Red Wizard, kind of loses his shit here when Grimlock asks why the wizard needs his help if he's so strong. And this dude starts screaming about how his enemies are many, like insects, and relentless. Kind of like <laughs> bed bugs, I guess. Which you don't... By the way, I looked into it. You don't want them. No. We used to send truckers in my job we'd send them out and they would end up getting them at hotels and motels i I don't i don't like staying at hotels and motels anymore they were eradicated until like about in america anyway until um a couple of decades ago whenever really yeah pretty much uh but like international travel really brought them all the way back all the way uh, back now every time i stay in a hotel i'm worried about it yeah, yeah. I try, I like check the mattress and stuff. I saw a review of some hotel. I don't even remember how I was. I was on TripAdvisor for some reason, and one of the reviews was: if you're, uh, if the person at the front desk is telling you how to check for bed bugs, you probably want to stay somewhere else. <laughs> no shit. At this point, the uh, on Cybertron, the Autobot crew have discovered the transport chamber and rewind, rewind reads the hieroglyphics, learning that this chamber was used to dispose of Quintesson criminals. And this is where we learn why the Red Wizard has tentacles, because he's a Quintesson named Mara Al-Utha, which is a good name. Yes. And Magnus Carly Blaster and the tapes go through the gateway, leaving Perceptor behind to bring them back, presuming the process can be reversed at all. Yeah, this is Rewind going through and saying, someone was sent to an ice world. One of the other Quintesson criminals was sent to a world with no substance. And then this is the third, the Oof, one where... That would suck. Yeah, I don't know what that means, really, but <laughs> you're just falling forever. So if you touch the panel, it opens up it opens that the, portal. To that the portal, world. yeah. Bloop, and you go through the little jello. Bloop. And this is another a small example of invincible humans because Car- both Carly and Daniel fall from what has to be like 50 feet in the air and are fine. Sure. Inside Daniel's jail cell. Jail cell? Jail cell. Jail cell. He meets a dude who looks exactly like the Red Wizard, uh, but the dude explains, nah, brah, Red Wizard crazy evil, and he's impersonating me because I was a fellow apprentice to the Golden One who liked me better, and this the, the Red Wizard is just... It's he's a jerk. He's no good. Don't believe him. That's it. And and, and Daniel's like, okay. Uh, Daniel busts out this sick energy knife and cuts the dude free from his bonds, which I did like on Wikipedia. It said so. Daniel just has this. I guess it's the energy equivalent of a pocket knife, which I don't think is that weird. But they're like, so he had that at dinner. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, he had that he the whole time, him, just in case anybody wants to step to him, he'll he'll cut a motherfucker. I think after his experience that I've seen so far and everything else, he deserves to carry some sort of sure. weapon. Sure. 
outside the castle, there's a full-on assault happening with birdmen dropping burning oil, wizards firing energy from their hands, and catapults hurling boulders at the castle wall. Caw! Wow, look how fast they're I know, those catapults are crazy fast, yo. <laughs> this is insane! It's pretty... This is what, this is what also made me think of uh, Flash Gordon, like the, the yeah. bird guys. Yeah, I like the Grimlock's <laughs> just like looking around like, uh Yeah, he's like, fucking Red Wizard, when are you going to come and help? And they begin to counterattack as the prison cell holding Daniel crumbles and starts to collapse. And we go to commercial. Grimlock's using a sword here in a second, but it's a thin steel version, which I don't understand why they don't just give him his energy sword that he has as a toy. Right. But we'll see that in a minute. Boom. There's like wisp. Yeah, you're right. There's all kinds of different types of. It's pretty. It's beans. pretty creative and cool. But it's also just bananas. Yep. We go to commercial. I guess he's using the sword, and we come back from commercial in a second. Back from commercial, Daniel and the prisoner escape through the hole in the castle wall as Magnus and the crew drop through the red portal and see the battle unfolding, including Grimlock atop the castle wall. Daniel and the apprentice prisoner guy approach the cave where the Golden One is imprisoned. And I would be lying if I said this cave in Boulder doesn't look like a prolapsed asshole. Okay. <laughs> Wait uh, for it. Okay, let's see. Boom. I mean, I never would have went there. But yeah, well, not all of us are as uh, creative as I am. There you go. <laughs> I see things in all kinds of things. <laughs> Yeah, and so the <laughs> apprentice wants to free the golden one and brings up a bunch of wind, which sweeps away this little sash of Daniel's. So we go back to the castle. They got the battering ram. They do have the battering ram over at the castle. That's the Autobots cool join the fight. That's a cool shot. Uh, yeah, there. ram horn. Yeah, I it, could watch him just ramming barbarians for like minutes at a time. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, Fuck. The Autobots assume Grimlock's on the right side of the side of history, and that sash from Daniel's outfit lands next to Carly, um, and Carly, Steeljaw, Ramhorn, and Ramhorn uh, run off in the direction of the. So scent. the Autobots mistakenly are, are are shooting at the wrong. People. Yeah, they assume with Gr Grimlock's fighting on the right side, and we do see a rare shot of Ultra Magnus using his shoulder cannon or shoulder missiles. Uh, uh. I Sh guess that's uh, shooting at the, actually the good guys. Yeah. Mm, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Carly's got wheels. She's cruising. Yeah, Red Wizard just firing bolts from the um, the tower. I don't know what Daniel thinks he's doing. Yeah. He's pushing. He doing? First of all, he's pushing against the stone that is bigger than the entrance. I like, is the wizard just standing? He's there? just standing. Like the princess guy's idiot? just standing there. Yeah. Oh man. D is for dumb. Carly, Steeljaw, and Ramhorn find Daniel, and he informs his mother that the Red Wizard is the real enemy. And uh, as you probably can guess, Ramhorn does his thing and makes short work of the boulder, boulder, blocking boulder. the cave entrance. And, you know, I'm just thinking of this, but if the Golden, golden One is such a great wizard, how did a fucking rock trap him inside the cave? Like, I know they say he's weak now, but, like, when it first happened, I don't know, maybe there was a spell that the other, that the Red Wizard used to keep it there magically, but then Ramhorn doesn't seem to have much problem with it. Uh -huh. Well, I don't know if I'd worry too much about questioning logic at this point. The Golden One comes out, 
and straight up transforms into a big ass dragon. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Do you have like a saltine? It's really bright out here. Maybe some Pedialyte. Do you like this cup that I wear on my head? Oh yeah, he's a dragon, all right. Yep. Fuck. Holy shit. Takes off for the castle. Magnus and Blaster join Grimlock atop the castle just as the Golden One in dragon form comes to attack the Red Wizard, who turns into a fucked up looking Quinnison, which I appreciate. And the Autobots join the attack against Mara Al-Utha. It's a weird looking Quinnison. And I guess it's maybe, I don't know, because he's uh, an ancient Quinnison, but he looks different than any other. He kind of looks like, yeah, he's weird. Yeah. He looks cool. like a combination between the judges and the scientists. He can shoot things out of his tentacles. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, it does say earlier on that uh, he was sent here as a criminal because he was using forbidden ma- like sorcery. That's cool. A bad... Which I guess is a thing. A quintesson that's so bad that the other quintessons say you're bad. Yeah. So... Uh, the Golden One is weak. <laughs> that's bad, y'all. The Golden One is weak, and um, that's supposed to be... The Quintesson is supposed to like use a choking like cloud to knock him out, but it's, it's not portrayed very well on screen. Golden One changes back into a person and falls to the ground. The Golden One has some counter spells, but he's too weak to make them heard, which is no problem, Bob, because Magnus orders Blaster into amplification mode and bim bam boom! Some mumbo jumbo later, and Mara <laughs> Al Utha is toast. Okay, this is awesome. Totally we need to microphone. do like some kind of gif with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, what's going on here? Here, we might as well capture what he's saying. I want to hear it. Yeah, I haven't really ever... I've seen this episode now. I've never actually listened to it. To make them heard, Blaster Amplification. Just speak into that device, you'll be heard. Repeat dust. Respond dust. Respond dust. Shit! I just fixed the castle. Zana! Zabasar! Alak! Arak! Holy shit! This vaporizes. That That was insane. That was really intense. Um, He was like, Iraq! Iran! It did sound like that to me, too. (laughs) Did he just wait? What is Blaster saying? He's just asking if that was a rap? He says if it's a rap, yeah, hold on. Wow. Is that a rap or will he be back? If he dares to return, we shall be ready. That was a wrap, in my opinion. Spoiler, he does not return. <laughs> not that we see, anyway. We don't revisit this land, which is now has a portal to a bunch of different other dimensions underneath Cybertron. Yeah. they, uh, they Do they take advantage of that? I don't think so, but you know what? I don't remember season three very well. I can't imagine we wrap back around to it. <laughs> The dimensional disc disc. The dimensional disc opens up overhead with Perceptor's microscope eyepiece peeking Whoop. through it in a very <laughs> hilarious way. The golden one levitates Whoa, the group wow. through the gateway and we're back on a Sabatron. Thank God. We end in a terrible way, with Spike saying that he wants to have a word with Daniel, who says it was all an accident, and Grimlock chimes in saying, Daniel tell truth. He not mean to get so dirty. And everyone laughs like fucking assholes, and I die a little inside. <laughs> that's it. That's it! And that's the end of the episode. 
we'll talk about this in the last one, but this episode also is very short. It's only 20 minutes long. And then the last two minutes of the episode are just padded out with like a promo for the show. It's weird. Yeah. They just like had to like deal with it. It's not the worst episode, but it's no by no means good, I think. It's fine. Like I like some of the elements of it, but again, it just doesn't feel Transformers to me. No, not at all. You're very right. I'm glad I actually didn't watch this episode. <laughs> it was pretty annoying, <laughs> especially since it was the second one I watched. It is interesting whenever they go to someplace fantastical, it's, it's got those medieval themes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm sure I could look into that and then put something together that'd be really boring but uh <laughs> you yeah definitely do that fantasy is interesting especially during that time period of pop culture fantasy equaled like medieval magic <laughs> magic y'all yeah okay. no new voice actors this time uh yanara was arlene bennis who does carly the Red Wizard, a.k.a. Amara Al-Utha, was Corey Burton, who does Spike. Uh, the Golden One was Greg Berger, Grimlock. And the Golden One's pupil was Paul Eating, who does Perceptor. Let's, um, I wonder if our British listeners are like, yeah, it's medieval stuff. It's just around here. But like we're over here all like, we didn't have castles here. <laughs> An old building here. If, if something is 100 years old, it's remarkable. Yeah, and then we tear it down to build a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> I always love whenever we see, whenever you see something that was obviously like a supermarket and now it's a church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nixon's got one of those. It's called The Bridge. It's got one of those rebranded names. The Bridge. The Focus. The, t- the Touch. All right. Why don't we... In the real world. Madman's Paradise, October 13th, 1986. In the American Top 40, we have a true number one song this episode. <laughs> Top of the Pops for two weeks was When I Think of You by Janet Jackson. Sweet. This is composed by songwriters and record producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It's Jimmy Jam, right? That doesn't sound yeah. right, but it, okay. So that's um, called When I Think of You. When I Think of You. Um, it is about a person who finds relief and fun in a lover. It was Janet Jackson's third single off her third studio album. Yeah, this, this so who Jimmy Jam and who else? Uh, Terry Lewis. So they were, they were famous producers, and, and I actually know... Oddly, a little bit about the production of this album. Oh. Without, um, I didn't do any research ahead of time, but she was trying to reinvent herself. She was trying to be more independent, break outside of the Jackson family mm-hmm. situation. And she came up, They she visited them wherever, I don't know if they were Michigan-based, like Detroit-based or not, uh, I don't remember. But they were hanging out with her for like a couple of weeks and just like getting to know her. And after like a couple of weeks, she was like, are we going to like start, you know, working on the album? And they were like, uh, "We already are. This is the album." So they, so which, which, so <laughs> the concept was is they got to know her mm-hmm. to help her write songs that really connected with her, hmm. 
you know, in a cool. very in a very close and sincere way. And that fucking album that when I think of you is on. Mm-hmm. It's called what is that called? Uh, Control. It's a fucking awesome album. Yeah, it is. And that was what was interesting is it was her third single off her third album and her first number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting not to take away from her and, like you said, bring it away from the Jackson family, but when the song reached number one, it made Jackson, uh, Janet Jackson and her brother, maybe you've heard of him, Michael. <laughs> I was, thought that was really funny when I wrote that. <laughs> Um, it made them the first and only siblings to have both have solo number one singles on the Hot 100. That's cool. That's it for that song. I'm glad you had some information about those producers. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what else they've done, but they they were big. And that 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 one was like their big, huge fucking. I put them. I don't know if that put them on the map, but it was a biggie. When albums get made, it's interesting to see how producers take an approach to certain things. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some albums where like I'm a big Brian Eno fan, and like I'm not a I like U2, but like I like particular there's certain U2 albums that I like, and there's other albums that I've listened to that I really like, and I didn't realize until later, much later after the fact, that those producers like like Brian Eno produced the U2 albums that I like. And then I'm like, oh, I see. So some producers have such a huge influence mm-hmm. on the creative decisions that are made on albums that you are. I'm appreciating them actually because the, that producer's touch is shining through so much. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. Uh, number one at the box office. Can you guess what's still sitting at number one this week? Uh, Top Gun? That's right. It's Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. So... Let's talk about the number one film for three weeks in March and April of 1986, Police Academy 3, Back in Training. I cannot be bothered to attempt to explain the plot of this movie, which you you? can probably guess. People don't care about the plot. It uh, it stars your usual crew, Steve Gutenberg, Bubba Smith, uh, Daniel Graff, Michael Winslow, Bobcat Goldthwaite. And it faced some stiff competition as far as other comedies playing at the same time, some that we've already talked about and some we will talk about, including Back to School, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Short Circuit, The Money Pit, Ferris Bueller, and JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling. I um, saw, It's like it seems like Police Academy 4 mm. was a bigger, like, it seems like it, hit, it was Citizens on Patrol. Thank it was you. a, it was a, it seems like it was like kind of like a, Boom! It was a bigger hit, and it kind of pushed the um, franchise, if you will, sure. a bit further. I actually saw Police Academy Four in the theaters. Holy shit! I went with a couple of friends to the mall, Battlefield Mall, and saw it in the theaters. Do you remember what year that one came out? Probably eighty-eight. If I had Probably. to guess, I, I mean, it was me and two friends. It was a birthday. It was a birthday party situation. We're like, let's go see Police Academy, and we saw it, and I remember that. Cool. I love Bob. I love Bobcat Goldthwait. I feel like I've only seen the first. Maybe I. I must. Oh, they're, no, they're I've all, seen three. I've, I've at least seen the first they're three. They're not good movies. No, but um, I think that Bobcat Goldthwait probably deserves a lot of of. Uh, it is interesting because for probably carrying a lot of those movies more than people realize. I can't remember if it's the first one or second one where he plays a gang leader. I think it's the second one, and then in the yeah. third one, he is a cadet at yes. the police academy. Yeah. It was my first exposure to Bobcat Goldthwait, and yeah, yeah he's great. Uh, police Academy 3 received genuine, gen, <clears throat> generally negative reviews, <laughs> yeah. which is a shocker. Variety wrote, 
The cast of Cartoon Misfits is still basically intact, and if Police Academy 3 has any charm, it's in the good-natured dopiness of those people. Yeah, that's all it is. I love this one. Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times wrote, The most you can say for Police Academy 3 is that it's no worse than Police Academy 2, which was awful. Yeah. Uh, It may be a bad film, but at least it's short. Unable to even limp to the 90-minute mark, Police Academy 3 clocks in even shorter than Transformers the movie at 83 fucking minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's a real fast romp. It uh, did crush at the box office, though. Like I said, it was number one for three weeks, and it earned $107.6 million on a $12 million budget. People ate it up. You ate up that, what do you call that, schlock? Uh, yeah, camp. I don't know. Um, I looked it up for adjusted for inflation. That's a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a Marvel movie. Almost. So I'm looking here. You can get the Police Academy, the complete collection DVD box set for free. They pay you to take it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to see how many movies there <clears throat> are. Five, six. There are seven Police Academy movies. Oof. And then there was a television series in the late 90s. There was. Yeah. I there think was there was a, a cartoon there also. There was an animated series between 88 and 89, Police Academy. Fuck. And the show was produced by Ruby Spears, Imp- Enterprises, and yep, Warner that Brothers. Makes sense. It had 65 episodes. Wow. So a couple of seasons. Voices of, let's see, I don't know. I don't see anybody that I recognize. Ron Rubin, Dan Hennessy, Howard Morris, Lynn Carlson, Don Franks, Greg Morton, Dennis Pridgen, and Ted Dillon. I don't recognize them. No, I don't know those names. Opening theme, They Wear the Blue, was performed by, of course, the Fat Boys. <laughs> of course, the Fat Boys. Anyway. Wow. Cool. Fun facts from this week in history. We haven't done this in a while, so I thought we'd take a look at the cover of this week's TV Guide, which has Harry Hamlin, Jill Eikenberry, and Corbin Burnson on it. And the copy says, L.A. Law, will it become the hot new hit of the fall? And the answer to that question is yes. Yes. By leaps and bounds. Did you watch this show? What show? <laughs> L.A. Law? Yes. No, I didn't watch L.A. Law. <laughs> I didn't either. I'm not much for procedurals. Um, I've seen, I by by just by happenstance, I have seen episodes over the years, but I don't follow L.A. Law. Yeah. It ran for 172 episodes. Eight... When you asked me, I, I was like, wait, we we're talking about L.A. Law, but then I got kind of thrown off. I don't, you, I don't, know, I don't why. know why. I'm drinking, that's why. <laughs> um, eight seasons from September 86 until May of 1994. It was created by Terry Louise Fitch, Fisher and Stephen Bochco, who also made Hill Street Blues, Doogie Howser, MD, Cop Rock, and NYPD Blue. Does anybody remember Cop Rock? I watched some of that. I heard. I watched a bit of it. It was a, for those who don't know. It was a very strange show that was like uh, a musical. Yeah. About cop stuff and and and, I, and juries. I was a big Doogie Howser watcher. Yeah, I love Doogie Howser. Um, I did watch a lot of adult shows as a kid, but I was never big into procedurals. Uh, I watched some Law and Order SVU, but that's really recent. Um. And also, whenever I had cable, it was just on. <laughs> like, yeah, my my parents watched Hill Street Blues, and that was apparently a really good show. I was in bed by the time that show came on. Hill so, Street Blues, yeah, do, Hill, Hill Street Blues, it's fucking Hill, Hill Street, Street Blues. Yeah, so and it was filmed. You know, it was it, you know, it was mm-hmm. shot. In, it was one of those shows shot in film. I was always in bed by that point. So that and, and uh, Saint that that show and Saint, Saint Elsewhere. Elsewhere 
were those shows where I was like, okay, I you know, I was allowed to watch Night Court and even Cheers, but mm-hmm. then I had to get ready for bed. I went to bed and I remember laying in bed and I would you could I I heard you know, Hill Street Blues and St. Elsewhere. And you know your parents are up partying They're watching, watching Hill Street fucking yeah, blues. They fucking love that shit. <laughs> With their tits out. With yeah. Yeah, well, why not? Mm. I would. I also watch mostly sitcoms like Cheers, Night Court, these sorts of things. But I did love nighttime soap operas like Dallas, Falcon Crest, and Dynasty. I never wa- my my grandparents watched them. Uh, my parents weren't into them so much. Uh, my mom really wasn't into TV. She mm. would watch TV because my dad would watch it when he's uh, home home at night. But my mom was a daytime soap person. Mm-hmm. But you know, my dad was home. So my dad was again. I've said this before online. Online on air. My dad was home Wednesdays and Thursdays, and which for him, for that time period was actually good TV midweek. Sure. So he really was in the Cheers and Night Court, and thankfully those were good shows, so we watched them together. But then anything else like any of those hour long ones, uh, you know, Fall Guy, Magnum PI, um, uh, and then the soaps, yeah, Magnum, Dallas. Those were actually my grandparents watched that shit because they they were home at night, you know. So if I saw that show, if I saw those shows, I was hanging out over at my grandparents' house. I don't think my parents watched it, but I think I just independently watched Golden yeah. Girls because I liked Golden Girls a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was a good show. And actually, my wife has come around and is actually retroactively. Yeah, she watching. went to a convention. She did. She's real, and I start. And so for a while leading up to that, we watched some episodes. They're good. Yeah, they're quite good. They're good. They're good shows. Um, they're really funny. So, here's the good writing. <laughs> here, here. And speaking of good writing, Madman's Paradise. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> Solid. Uh, for any, anyway, just to round this out, for anyone unaware, L.A. Law was set around a fictional Los Angeles-based law firm and had a rotating ensemble cast. The opening credit sequence began with a close-up of a car trunk slammed shut, revealing the personalized license plate reading L.A. Law and carried registration stickers indicating the year in which the season began. Two different musical openings for the show theme were used, a saxophone riff for episodes with a lighter tone and an ominous synthesizer chord for more serious storylines, like about AIDS. Okay. Uh, L.A. Law had a huge influence on how Americans viewed the law and lawyers. I didn't know this, but attorneys reported the show affected how they dressed and spoke to juries, how juries decided oh, cases. That's, that's distressing. It is very. The American legal system is fucked. Uh, and how clients expected their cases to be handled. The number of applications to law school rose, and law school professors used L.A. Law as a teaching aid. Oh, and God. the show. And, yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice that more people. Get, that's a double-edged sword. I know. I don't know either, but I'm trying to be optimistic by sure. saying that it drew more people into practicing law, but it also seems like it's making people lean on tropes. Yeah, which is not good. The show so, won 15 Emmys. Yeah, uh, my my wife watched. Um, what's that hospital show? Grey's Anatomy. No. Uh, yeah. Nope. That's oh, it. Okay. That show's been on for like almost twenty years. Is it now. still on? Yeah, it's, Jesus. they're still doing it. There's that still. There's like one or there's like two or three originals still on it, and they make a fucking. I mean, SVU's still on. What is it? What did uh, you say? Law and Order SVU. Yep, 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 yep. Law, so yeah, Law and Order's still like carrying on. Like Ice Ice T was on it. And stuff. <laughs> He's still on it. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> 
Script deviations. <laughs> Show us what's up. We don't have another original script available until Fight or Flee, which is episode number 86. Um, I know what's going to happen is that as soon as we're done with season three, someone's going to come out and be like, hey, Holy Toledo, we found all the original scripts. This is great, which it will be, except for us, because we'll be done with G1. Um, <laughs> at any rate, the writer for this episode was Craig Rand, and this is the only episode of the show he pinned. In fact, his only other writing credits are the 1986 show uh, Potato Head Kids, what? which is nine episodes, and I've never heard like of it. Like Mr. Potato Head? Like, That's what I like, thought, like too. Ba- like Muppet Babies, but it's like Potato Head Unclear kids? if it's connected, because the description on IMDb reads, a show... Like it was written by a non-native speaker or run through a translator. It reads, a show about several potato head children with many personalities and always happy to do good. (laughs) That sounds... It's very weird. His other credit is a film called Land of Doom. Okay. Also in 1986. The description reads, Earth has been ravaged by a nuclear war and a feminist warrior is forced to join up with a soldier of fortune in her journey to find a rumored paradise as they battle gangs of rampaging bandits. Okay. It's basically every 70s and 80s post-apocalyptic movie. There you go. Yes. Mad Max, Omega Man, Cherry It seems like this guy, aside from that potato head thing. Hell comes to Frogtown. Right. Aside from this potato head thing, it seems like this guy was pretty good to go with like writing stuff involving the post-apocalyptic or the But just for the 1986. Like that's all he wrote. Well, maybe that's... We can't... Yeah, find it. And I couldn't find anything about him online you otherwise. Do, Everything no just came up with Ann Rand. Oh, yeah. Listeners. Do you know Craig Rand? Do you know Craig Rand? We'd love t- for him to be a patron. Come on the show, Craig. Yeah, I let's bet talk. you're dead. Let's talk about, let's talk about wizards. <laughs> I just expected it to be like he wrote a bunch of episodes of like a fantasy show or something. But I guess yeah. he was in and out. Um, it happens. So that's it for script deviations. Let's uh, let's rate. How would you rate this scheme? What's what's the scheme? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out. I guess there's not one really. There's, did, were there any Decepticons in this episode? No. How many episodes are like that? There aren't a lot. The but there were Quinnisons. Usually, if it's not a Decepticon, okay. it's a Quinnison. Gotcha. Um, I don't know how to rate this scheme. I, I, think I guess it's if I'm I guess if I'm the Quintesson. If the Quintesson is the bad guy, I guess it's not a bad scheme in well, that he... they're impersonating someone to almost trick the Autobots <sighs> into fighting for the wrong side. It's never addressed whether he knows who the Autobots are. That's also a good point. You would think he'd be like, holy fuck. Autobots. <laughs> Autobots. <laughs> or the slaves. Slaves. Um, it is true. Yeah. Uh, it is, I guess, from his perspective, like to be an exiled criminal, it's be like going to Australia and becoming prime minister. <laughs> Did he then make wooden tra- Autobots as an homage to the metal ones that he dealt with before he moved into this magic feudal land? That's true. I that's a good point. I thought maybe they had also come through the portal somehow, but that's true. Ones? He maybe did build them. I think he's like, I'm I going think to you're probably right. I think he built them because they do look like they're made out of wood. Wood and bots. Wood, they're cogs. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I guess I would give this scheme probably a four out of ten. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's ultimately defeated, but he seems to have been ruling for quite some time. I think that's a, whatever, six. (laughs) When life gives you lemons, he made lemonade for sure. He He got banished to a land and... Wooden robots. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, so, okay, we can... We can... Oh, it's it's without a doubt. It's it's Grimlock with at the front at the top oh, the, of the, with, the, the with the apron. With the apron. That's true. That's it's, probably that's pretty right. much. That's, I thought it was pretty cool seeing spells cast through blaster. Sure. Not really as iconic no, that's as really, the apron, but it's really cool. It, to me, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. I didn't even look up what the next episode is. I don't know. It may be a surprise party. <laughs> It may be a surprise party, and I may be ready for that. This was a surprise party for mm-hmm. me. Today was my surprise party. Give my fellow Decepticons, If you like what we do and would like to prove it monetarily, uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash apoddecast, and there are several different levels. We're getting booty boxes ready. Oh, I have some stuff to show you, Caleb, actually. Ooh, show me, Ryan. Um, If you're not into, you know what, if if long-term commitments aren't your thing, you can go to our store, uh, adopoddecepticast slash APDC store, and check out all our merchandise. And if you'd like to support the show otherwise, you can uh, rate us on iTunes, wherever you find whatever your shits. How are you listening to it now? I don't know. Five stars, please. Um, Finally, you can buy us a drink, the exciting new hustle device by myself, which is... uh, (laughs) Working out really well. It is true. We have a lot of them. Um, You make good drinks, though. If if, If you did not make good drinks, you I don't think you would get people buying you the drinks. You make good stuff. Yeah, and, we've had a lot. Of, we had and listeners' good response. I did not expect this level of response, honestly. R- Ryan's a certain mix. Ryan's a really good mixologist. It's it appears and it's, it seems Ryan's a good mixologist. Uh, he makes some really cool stuff. Buy us a drink. You'll get to see some really interesting drinks. Hopefully, we'll inspire you to make it make it yourself, or just listen to us talk about it. Absolutely. And uh, you can, um, speaking of the, I forgot about this, but the Patreon, but also we added the Discord. You can yeah. chat with us virtually on uh, that Discord. If you are a member of our Patreon right now, it's just a Patreon-only yes. gig. Um, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all of them at APODDCast. Um, go to our website, autopodecepticast.com. I put a lot of ancillary stuff up there. Um, I'll you know, there'll be some. I forgot even what we talked about. There'll be some shit. Go look at it. Go look the, at what it. the fuck do I care? Don't go look at it. I don't care. Yeah, he does really. Yeah, I do. I actually, I just watch does. and see how many people visit it. Yeah, that's true. I do the same thing. Uh, I think that's all that she wrote. We uh, made it. We. What What do you think of this autopod to do a cast? Yeah, there's no Aaron. I feel like I really phoned in that outro. <laughs> That was stumbly and no, it was great. Bumbly. Well, we've never done. You've never done it before. I can't believe I didn't write one. I had to use Caleb's notes for. It. Hey, did you guys hear that? Ryan used my notes. Yeah, to do for something. an episode that I Caleb made. did not watch. No, not. <laughs> <laughs> we still made it. All right, I think that's it. Join us next time. Bye, bye, bye. See ya. That was the fourth of December. Mm-hmm. So we'll have. To, I know. I know you want to talk about doing a holiday episode at some point. So that'll be the next one we record. Like yeah. Yeah.
Wells is the sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs>